Hi, this is Todd Glass, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Huh? That's a good thing. Put a little music under that. I think you can do a lot with it. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Bent Washburn. One of my new bits is about uh, how easily humans believe stuff, like how we believe anything we hear three times, and uh, how easily we're deceived. But all of that relates to that political stuff, this last political cycle. Although I was writing the material before that started. Ben was supposed to be on the show last week. We bumped him to this week because we had the co-founder of the What a Joke Comedy Festival, Emily Winteron, of course, discussing uh, the uh, comedy festival that's happening uh, simultaneously around the country, even as I speak. And uh, so we had to put her kind of in the batting order ahead of Bent. Uh, Bent and I do talk a little bit about the election, but it's more about how people treat the Internet and information as opposed to uh, any bashing of the uh, president-elect, who now, by the time you're hearing this, will be the president of the United States. Uh, Also coming up... Okay, thank you very much, computer. Uh, Also coming up, uh, I have uh, a song of the week from Crystal Fighters for you. And before all that, uh, I have a dumb bit that is uh, not political in nature at all. Well, sort of political in nature, but you'll see what I mean. I thought we'd take a break from the political goings-ons and, uh, you know, the inauguration weekend going on right now as I am recording this. Uh, we had, of course, the interview with Emily Winter last week, co-founder of the What a Joke Comedy Festival. It's happening simultaneously around the country, even as I speak. Uh, what I was going to talk about today in the dumb bit is uh, the move of the San Diego Chargers uh, to Los Angeles, or should I say back to Los Angeles? And uh, this is not without controversy. Uh, according to the Los Angeles Times, uh, the Chargers are not wanted in Los Angeles. Uh, the the, the uh, Los Angeles was very happy to get the Rams back, although they'd been gone for 20 years, so their fan base had kind of diminished. But there were folks there that uh, that felt the Rams should come back. And, and yes, while St. Louis kind of got a raw deal, really the Cardinals should have left St. Louis, basically. Uh, and talking to our friend Greg Warren uh, last year, he had, had said that. He was a big Cardinals fan growing up, St. Louis native. Anyway... But the Rams going back to Los Angeles, I think people could deal with, even though they'd been in St. Louis for, what, uh, gosh, almost 20 years. And uh, But the the uh, Chargers returning to, to Los Angeles, where they played one season in 1960, people, that works a lot of people. And the Times said that, uh, yeah, they are not wanted. And uh, it, what's really weird is, uh, to, to put it in a nutshell for you, uh, the city of San Diego was asked by a billionaire to build a stadium for his team to play in, which would be used uh, eight times a year. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, we'll say 14, 15 times a year with playoff games and perhaps the University of San Diego would use, or San Diego State University would use the stadium too for their home games, but still, uh, billions of dollars, probably close to a billion dollars they would have put into this thing uh, for something that was going to be used mm, oh, a little over a dozen times a year. If you throw a couple concerts in there too, you're looking at about a dozen, maybe dozen and a half tops that that, 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 that thing's going to be used. And people said, oh, MLS, and no. MLS wants to play in their own stadiums. They don't want to play in football stadiums, so get that out of your heads. So anyway, up the road they go, and so not only, so Dean Spanos is like, oh, oh, he's the owner of the Chargers. He's all, oh, I'm so sorry this had to come to this. No, he's not. He's going to play in a 30,000-seat soccer stadium, speaking of, in Carson, while the new stadium is being built, uh, I guess, also in Carson or in Inglewood. I don't remember now. It's where the Rams are going to move as well. So he's, he's going to play in a 30,000-seat stadium for spite, instead of staying in San Diego, where they could have two more years to work out a deal, of course, the only deal they could really work out 
is he's got to build himself uh, his own stadium, and he's never going to do that. Oddly, the stadium in Los Angeles is privately financed. It's not using any public funds, although I imagine you know, improving the roads around the area and things like that to take some public money. But still, better deal than we have here in Cincinnati, which is just a horrible deal. Uh, one aspect of which is if the uh, scoreboard in the Bengals stadium falls below uh, the top half of scoreboards in the league, we as taxpayers in the county of Hamilton County buy the Bengals a new scoreboard. It's on us. Go right ahead. So you can see why I've kind of like lost interest in football this year. What with my team being 1-15 in 15 and uh, all these goings on. So... So for the dumb bit here, it's a long way, to, a long road to travel. I understand, but uh, some funny things about the move to Los Angeles. First of all, they had this uh, this big old uh, uh, welcome. First thing they did, I believe, was they made the announcement at the soccer stadium where the uh, where the where the Chargers were going to be playing. Now there's a big press conference in the middle of the field. There are empty stands all around, and well, here is the uh, here's what that sounded like. Good morning, everyone. On behalf of AEG and everyone here at StubHub Center, I want to welcome you uh, to the new home, for now, of the Los Angeles Chargers. I don't know. The cricket sound effect always cracks me up. It's, it's kind of like uh, when a car is driving down the road in a TV show or movie and it goes out of sight and then you hear the crash and you see the hubcap roll by. That one always cracks me up too. So anyway, uh, then they go to, uh, they have one in Inglewood where the uh, stadium is being built and that kind of goes a little better. Oh, if you listen closely, you'll hear something kind of odd. People on the stage before we get started because you will be seeing them on the field next year. <laughs> So some notable boos there uh, in the uh, in the audience, and when the um, when he first gets on the stage to make, the, I guess he's the guy that runs the is going to run the Inglewood complex or whatever. Uh, the, the, it's an audible kind of because the, someone has the mic blaring, but you can definitely hear when he's introduced. There's a lot of booing here because again, the Chargers belong in San Diego. Los Angeles doesn't want them, so I'm I'm sure there's enough idiots in Los Angeles. Excuse me. That will, you know, pay and they'll, they'll be able to get 80,000 people or 70,000, whatever that thing's going to seat, to go to the Chargers games because there's just that many people in Los Angeles and, you know, it's 10 times the size of San Diego, basically. Although, part of that is Orange County, and you would think Orange County would have, by this time, you know, kind of settled with the Chargers since they've been the only team around for 20 years. So, anyway, we're back to the conundrum of why all this happened. And, of course, the reason it happened is, again, because a billionaire, Dean Spanos, would not pony up uh, any dough. Well, I guess he was going to maybe pony up a little bit, but he would not. Uh, he wanted the taxpayers of San Diego to foot the bill you know, mostly for this new stadium. Again, that's going to be used dozen, dozen and a half times a year. And uh, it's too late now. It's a done deal. The Chargers are going to Los Angeles. Uh, of course, the, the NFL thinks they're very clever, uh, but I think this is going to further erode interest in the league. Uh, maybe uh, Mark Cuban is right. He, he said that the NFL had gotten more greedy trying to own Thursday nights and Sunday. I don't think that's the problem with the NFL. A game on Thursday night, a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday. I'm all for that. That's great, as a matter of fact, because it spreads out the games and they're more manageable. You can watch more. You have to follow as many games you know, if they're spread out. That's cool. But uh, this whole thing of jumping markets and getting us to pay for the stadiums, thing like, things like that, ugh. But there's uh, one solution I'm afraid Dean Spanos overlooked. Uh, in the new stadium deal in San Diego, uh, and it's this. Mexico's going to pay for it, and they'll be happy to pay for it. Trust me, Mexico will pay for it.
Matt Washburn is a stand-up comedian originally from Washington, D.C. He's traveled all over the world, literally, a lot through Europe where he used to live. Uh, he's now back in the United States living in Washington, D.C. with his lovely wife and family. He's even a grandfather. How about that? Here now is our interview with Bent Washburn. All right, so, uh, golly, it's been, probably been about a year since we spoke, and a lot has happened uh, in this country, particularly, of course. I think you'd have some insight on having, you know, lived overseas yeah. and, and so forth. And I've seen you on, you know, Facebook in some uh, Facebook debates like I've been involved in. And uh, so what, I guess, what is your perspective on the elephant in the room? The literal, <laughs> almost, the, almost the literal elephant what, in the room. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. That was very unexpected. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, he, he bugged me. I didn't like him at all, uh, Trump, at all. I didn't like any of them. Did yeah. you like him? To Trump or any of them, I liked any um, of them. I liked Bernie. Oh, you liked Bernie? Yeah, I did. I didn't like. I just really didn't like. I didn't like any of them. I, mean, I didn't hate Bernie. Yeah, who? What's not to like? He's a he's a nice guy. I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, when I applied math to what he was talking about, I said it didn't make sense sometimes. But I still I liked his sentiment. You know. Yeah. I didn't like Trump at all. I just, <laughs> he rubbed me the wrong way right out of the gate. Well, yes, I think it still does. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, and I don't know, have, have you been uh, overseas? Uh, had you been overseas during the year when the uh, election was going on or anything like that? Or have you, because I know you, you We be... went, I was in Canada when it, when it was happening. I was up in Calgary, Canada, and I was, I was shocked. It was really strange. And, uh, yeah, they, they were shocked. Everybody was pretty shocked. I think he was shocked. I think <laughs> Trump was shocked. It's funny because uh, I had a discussion with our friend Tim Slagle the week before the election, and and I was telling you know everybody knows what time it is with Tim, especially folks that listen to uh, yeah. to my podcast. Okay, so yeah, for those who don't, Tim is very conservative uh, slash libertarian. Oh yeah. So um, and I was saying you know I could see him winning because the, especially that one commercial Hillary was running was so dumb where she shows how deplorable like all these awful things he says and I'm like that's what they want that's exactly what they yeah. want now, now Tim was a little pushed back a little bit on that but he made this great point he said you know it's one of those things like people claim that they watch PBS but really don't and uh, you know Hillary in this argument of course is PBS and uh, you know and uh, like Trump is insert name of reality cable channel TLC or whoever and people yeah, would admit yeah. to voting that they're going to vote for Trump, and they did, and he was exactly right. And I, you know, I wasn't surprised. My mom asked me, Are "You surprised?" I'm like, "No, not surprised at all." Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> we shouldn't be. I mean, there's no way you can have a country with uh, hit shows like Duck Dynasty and Honey Boo Boo, and those can't be hit shows. And then everything's okay. <laughs> I mean, he's a reflection of us. That, that people always yeah. act like we're importing these from some place where they have great schools and everybody understands economics and they're smart <laughs> and they're not petty and we don't have baggage about race and but no that's us it's a reflection of who we are totally we shouldn't be surprised that's for sure no not at all he, you know he, he appeals to our our base instincts you know and the the old yeah. uh, i'm just saying what people feel argument which is of course crazy yeah. but um yeah so, did you been anywhere else? Or did you had a chance to get over to Europe at all? In in the I did, 
I was over in Germany about a week after this all went down. Okay. I was in Germany, and they were pretty shocked, too. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't believe it. I think uh, people are we're scared of change. Just change is scary, yeah. is all. And he's, he's very different, but it's just one person. And we go around assigning uh, credit and blame to the president constantly, depending on whether or not they are or aren't part of our tribe or party or whatever, yeah. politically, you know. And I think it's all bogus. I think it's one person in the system, and the, the system's much bigger than one person. Well, I, I would agree with that, except for the fact that now they control every aspect of our government. So all this crazy bullshit they've had on their checklist for so long, privatizing Social Security, oh, you know, getting yeah, that's all, one party. All, all that, I'm talking. Yeah, but he's. I'm talking one person, Trump. Right, right. But he's he's gonna yeah. he's gonna now. There's a chance he won't rubber stamp some of that because you never know what day you catch him on. Maybe he, the day the thing the privatize. You know, Social Security comes across his desk and he's mad at Wall Street for some reason. Maybe he decides to veto it that day. That's really our only hope. You know, is maybe, <laughs> maybe he's in a Twitter war with the CEO of Goldman Sachs and he's like, no way you're getting the Social Security. But, you know, most of this crazy stuff that they have planned, that's going to go through. And, you know, he's – that's the, – The thing is, is what form will it be when it goes through? That's the question I have. We don't know. Uh, we, we, we simplify, too, like a phrase like privatized Social Security. Is that, what does that even mean? What are the details of that? Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, I'll read up on a privatized. So it's going to privatize it, and then I'll read the, the details. I'm like, well, that's not really privatization. Why did they label it privatization? Oh, yeah, they were trying to scare the crap <laughs> out of old people yeah. so they wouldn't vote for the other party. And, frankly, both parties do fear-mongering, but Democrats are definitely different. D d guilty of scaring old people constantly. Yeah. That's why they. That's why the third rail uh, 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 entitlement reform and Social Security are third rail because political parties that aren't in power, you know, scare the hell out of old people whenever it comes up. Yeah. And uh, and those voters, the really old people aren't. They're not wise or smart. They just aren't. They're really old. <laughs> you know. Yeah. We. Wisdom used to be part of age when we died in our 60s, but now that we lived our 80s, it's it's not. It's it's not. You don't have to be smart to keep breathing anymore. So yeah. Well, I would say, but the elderly are just like any other demographic. Most people are just not informed. Like you said, they'll hear yeah. the word private today of Social Security. They won't. They won't look into it. You know, maybe like you said. Yeah. Whatever form it, they try to roll this out in, it, it would do well to look into it and, and see the details. And then you're right. Maybe it won't be. You know what, what we what we fear it might be. You know, it's just that you know, dude, yeah. you have a little machine in your house. Most people, and yeah, just go to that and the internet machine, as Emo Phillips calls it. <laughs> just go to the internet and machine. Read. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so but they don't. They tend to get really angry and yeah. and knee jerk and and it gets spun, and and then when you try to read, the press is ridiculous. It's ridiculous now. Like uh, right now, there's this thing with Chicago, such a dangerous, violent city, but. I look at it compared to other cities. Chicago's still not the most dangerous or violent. No. East St. Louis, New Orleans. There's a bunch of cities, Wash a whole slew of them, DC. with higher murder rates. Yeah. But it doesn't serve any political uh, politician's purpose to not say Chicago's not scary. Then, I, then I'll see pundits and politicians cite Chicago as a rationale for keeping on with stop and frisk laws, which I think are horrible. They're unconstitutional. Right. And, and they're awful. 
But they're, they're going to cite Chicago to scare people so they can keep stop and frisk. You know, it just... So what I'm saying is the press is not a good... Uh, where do you go to read, I guess, is what... Is this okay that I'm just talking yeah. about politics? No, this is, is what comedy? this is. No, this is what this is. We'll get the comedy in a minute, but this is what, you know, this is, uh, you know, for the, for the podcast, this is great. Even for City Pages, this is, you know, this people want to know. We want to know uh, Ben's perspective. They want to get Ben's bent on things, I guess. That should be the name oh, of your okay. next CD, Ben's Bent. Well, that's my bent on things, is that everybody's trying to scare us into tuning in yeah. or voting for them. I mean, we're fear animals, and they know, and we're not, we're not rational. No. We have to really slow ourselves down to be rational. It's, it's hard work being rational. It is. It's weird because the, the business I'm in at my day job where I'm speaking to you from you now, speaking from which I'm speaking to you now, uh, one of the questions we ask a lot of the, the brands we interview is that, you know, uh, and, and brands will tell you this, is that people will answer a survey one way about what they want out of a company and then they'll behave in a completely different way uh, when it comes yeah. to, you know, how they spend their money or, you know, how they buy the product or whatever. So, yeah, it, it's, it goes not even into politics, but it goes across you know, business and yeah. society. And yeah, so. Human uh, behavior. It's human behavior isn't rational. That was the big flaw, I think, in economics that they had for quite a while, that they assumed yes. people acted rationally. No, we, we absolutely don't. We're, yeah. we're well, wired to meet a primitive situations, and uh, I think that stuff's still in play. Yeah, it's like, and we we will do this, but we're, we're kind of, it makes it a little edgy to do so, but we'll let my uh, soon-to-be 13-year-old daughter walk home from the bus stop, and it's only, shoot, 1,000 feet from the bus stop at the top of the hill down to our house. But, um, you know, if we can pick her up, we will. If someone can meet her at the bus stop, they will, even though, you know, statistically speaking, you know, minuscule yeah. chance of anything happening. But, you know, it's at the forefront because you're always in the news once a week, or even worse now with social media and yeah. Facebook, you hear all these horrible things happening. In a country of 330 yeah. million, one thing yeah. happens, even, tragic as it is, you know, that, that that gets in your mind, like you said, we're just, we don't think it through rationally. But uh, We really don't. We're, we're used to living in this being triggered by fear, you know. And now we hear, like you say, it can happen half a country away thousands of miles stuff we never would have heard of suddenly we're afraid of something that's happening yeah far far away yeah it's <laughs> and people hard to be who are far far away yeah exactly so uh so when it, when it, get, it gets to the comedy what are you talking about on stage these days is it stuff that, like this or is it uh you know did, observational type stuff what what's what's the balance these days i you know you're a great joke writer of course so it, it What's uh, how does it? It's been lately. I'm thinking it's been going back into away from politics and more into just my own behavior and human behavior, how it relates to human behavior. Okay. And uh, yeah, and a little bit about, I guess, from a middle-aged man's perspective now. So there's a lot. There's uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like the name of the next CD, which I've been working on for like two years now. Oh my gosh! Is uh, bent out of shape. I <laughs> just I've recorded it three times now, and I just can't ah. settle on the material. But uh, it's about getting older, I guess, in some ways. Okay. But well, yeah, I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to that's a hard question to answer. Like what 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 am I? I I'm just talking about whatever I'm noticing or feeling now 
except the election. I'm not going to talk about right, that right. anymore. I did that yeah, for yeah. like six months. I literally think political jokes are less palatable, palatable than any other topic on stage right now. People are so tired of hearing about it. Yeah, well, there's that, like, and I was saying this in interviews, you know, four years ago, I was asking people that are more, you know, uh, politically minded, like Tim, Jimmy Dore, people like that, you know, are you worn out? And by the time we get to, you know, November, although this one was probably, you know, the, I was a little less worn out just because of the result and how fascinating it was, but yeah, pretty much worn out. Just trying to do, like we do the dumb bits yeah. on the podcast, trying to do things that uh, aren't political, and, and yet I can't help it because something will come up and I'll be like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, like what I'm doing is kind of off, um, one of my new bits is about uh, how easily humans believe stuff, like how we yeah. believe anything we hear three times. Yes. And uh, how easily we're deceived. But all of that relates to that political stuff, this last political cycle. Although I was writing the material before that started, but I saw it play out, just how people will just read or hear something. And if it lines up with what we're already thinking, oh, man, watch out. You know? Yeah. Well, that's, it, it is so powerful. A lie that you want to believe is so powerful, or a half-truth. That, that, that We just have such an incredible uh, instinct to, uh, what's that word called, uh, uh, to reinforce our bias. What's that called? Confirmation bias. Yes. It's a really powerful, powerful instinct. It gets us through the day. It does. Well, know? it's not even just politics. Like, look at your garden variety urban legend. Yeah. You know, oh, you, yeah. It's not just politics. It's everything in line. Exactly, yeah. It's politics, religion. It's, uh, I can't remember uh, oh, what's his name. He's a Scottish philosopher. Something uh, oh, about this, yeah. this comforting swarm of lies, you know, <laughs> that we have constantly around our head. Yeah. Well, it's like, with, you know, the, and even before the internet, the, the urban legend thing was popular, and there were, there were guys, guys that would write books. You know, to debunk them, and of course, now that the internet is here, yeah. it's weird that you think that would urban legends would have, you know, gone out yeah. of business, and they have gone away. They've they've got, they've become huge <laughs> because the same thing we use to dispel them, the internet right. makes it easier to make them. Yeah. you know, it's like we can dispel them at a at a uh, faster rate, twice as fast, but we can generate them ten times as fast. So it's like. We thought, well, this will help us clear things up. Right. No, it will, no. but it'll help us muddle it up even more and faster. It's been crazy. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been weird. I was just saying that to someone the other day. I, I thought Google would put an end to this, but it really doesn't it, at all. It, it's weird. It's because made it I, worse. Because I, I know that the, the, um, the, the, the appeal of urban legends was that a lot of times, you know, if I heard something from somebody and somebody I trusted, I would have just assumed, oh, they must have actually gotten this from a an actual news source or saw it in a newspaper or something yeah. like that. When here, no, they would have heard from, from somebody else. And the, the thing that got me on this big high horse of checking things uh, out, of course, is the fact that I hate to look foolish. So I hate to repeat an urban legend. Like the yeah. last one I got caught up in was the, was the goodwill thing, uh, where the, the thing went around about, you know, they take taken money and then they line the CEO's pocket and they don't pay it. And then I'm like, and then of course I looked it up. It took, didn't bother to look it up. Uh, re shared it on my Facebook page. Which is was very unlike me, and of course looked it up later and like, oh crap, <laughs> this, is, this isn't true <laughs> at yeah. all. Yeah, because you're right; it makes sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense, and the and the uh, circumstantial evidence is there. 
You know, you drop off your stuff. Oh, this yeah. guy's making a half a million dollars a year, which, by the way, is a lot less money than people running comparatively sized organizations uh, in the regular private sector. But uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. Confirmation bias. It just goes, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense, that bastard. Yeah. And there you have it. It does. We yeah. will just believe. And that's our instinct, too. Yep. I read a book recently called Thinking Fast and Slow. Have you read that? No. Oh, everyone should read Daniel Kahneman, K-A-H-N-E-M-A-N, I think is how you spell it. And it's called Thinking Fast and Slow, and it's spectacular. And it, he and his, he got the uh, Nobel Prize in economics. He and his friend or research partner, uh, they were psychologists, I believe, behavioral psychologists or economics. Anyway, they set up all these experiments that expose all these flaws in thinking, you know, that show up uh, confirmation bias and anchoring and framing, just all it, all these flaws in our thinking. It's a great book. It's one of, it's one of my favorite books ever. Cool. I'll, I'll try to link to that on our uh, Podbean page for those listening to this any other way than through Podbean. Uh, you can uh, we'll just go to PF, is it pfradio.podbean.com. Can you remember the address? And then we have the show notes there, and they'll have any interesting links that... Uh, that we will need. So uh, you're, you're living in. Actually, where you're living? At? You're living in back. You're back in the United States now, right? Are you in Minnesota? Or yeah. Are you in, okay. In, We're in uh, Washington D.C. Oh, you're back We're in D.C. Just okay. Outside. That's right. Yeah, my wife works was working at the Pentagon, but she just retired and then That's got right. another job. She works with the Navy now. Okay. Yeah, I know she was between yeah. gigs, or she was about to retire from uh, the Pentagon, and now she's with the yeah. Navy. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And your some of your kids are grown now, right? Yeah, I have a my twenty three year old daughter just had another daughter, so I have two grandkids now. Oh my gosh! I'm grandpa twice, and then my six year old daughter just had her birthday yesterday. Yeah, we got an ice cream cake. True story. Got the ice cream cake. We all have a piece, and then last night I carefully cleared out a spot in the refrigerator and put the ice cream cake in there so it could melt slowly overnight. <laughs> I was working on a mess all night. Didn't oh even know. Oh my gosh! Crazy. So we did. Cool. And so uh, still, uh, still touring. So I know you were in Cincinnati uh, a couple of months ago because I was able to recycle one of our Minnesota conversations for City Beat and didn't have to bother you at all with anything. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was there last. Well, last year. That was last yeah. year. Yep. And then I'm, I'm there again, in uh, oh gee. Three weeks. Right after I go to Acme, I go to Cincinnati. Okay, great. Well, then we'll uh, we'll recycle part of this for that as well, and then my wife and I will try to come see you. I think she'd like you. And uh, she just said the uh, uh, the other week that uh, you know, we should go see a comedian. We haven't seen a comedian in a long time. We've been sick for a month, both of us, and we're anxious to get out of the house and oh. do something, have some uh, adult time together. And uh, we like that room, so I think this will be... I uh, love it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, this this will be really good. I, mean, I, think she'll, I think she'll really enjoy your... And she's, she's a tough room, as we as we say. But I think she'll enjoy, she'll enjoy your shenanigans. <laughs> oh, come out. Yeah, I, li- I like tough rooms, actually. You know, people that are... I don't like the, the people that raw and go, woo, woo, before you That's, say anything. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. We, the, and I, again, I hate to disparage the, the, the chain we have here in town, which I won't name, but people can easily look up. Uh, they just run a different ship, I will say. <laughs> And that's the ship yeah. that where people say, let's just go to a comedy show, or we heard that this guy on the radio and he was going to be in town, which is fine. But a l- yeah. little, little, little loosey-goosey with the tabletop, little loosey-goosey with the house rules, whereas, uh, you know, Go Bananas, I think, is more for comedy fans. And even if they don't necessarily know the comedian, the audience knows how to behave in a comedy club. So, 
Yeah, yeah, I love that room. It's yeah. a great room. It's one of the, my favorite ever, I think. Yep. Cool. All right, man. Well, I guess uh, hopefully we'll see you in person then in about three weeks, and we'll say hello. And uh, that'll be great. Awesome. Yeah. And as usual, well, this will be uh, will appear, I guess, in City Pages the week you're there. It'll also appear in City Beat, a uh, different version. I'll, I'll since this is a nice long interview, I can do. If they're not like I think ninety days apart, I can't use the same one. So in the in a case yeah. where like someone in these rare cases where like someone shows up at both clubs within three months of each other, I have to do two different ones. So one of these will be in City Pages, one will be in City Beat, and of course the podcast shall drop a week from Sunday because we're doing our top five songs of 2016. Fangirl and I on Sunday. So. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. My Great. my twenty twenty year old daughter and I will be doing that. So there you go. Well. I'll have to listen to that. Cool, man. Catch up on the music. Exactly, yeah. Another thing Tim and I talk about, we're not talking about politics. Tim's very, uh, he's our age, uh, although probably the youngster of the, of the three of us. But anyway, he says to, to, to stay young, he likes to listen to new music and listen to new bands and stuff. So that's uh, one of the, the secrets of staying young and not going nuts with the politics stuff, I guess. I think it's true. That's yeah. true. Yep. You're talking Tim Slagle, right? Yep. Yeah, I know Tim. Who I've yeah, gotten into some vicious Facebook fights with in the last two days. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I always, I talk, I just, had, I just uh, went back and forth in an email just today, actually, just talking about Trump and yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we we went over the the ground again about, uh, uh, and, and Tim, honest to Christ, believes this that when Obama said that if you do, if there's a road or a bridge in front of your business if if you own a if you have a business you didn't build that and tim honest to christ believes that obama meant that you didn't build that business and i'm like tim there's no possible way an intelligent person like you believes that oh no he stuck to it he stuck to his guns the whole day we went through for like over the whole yeah. day over eight hours went over this thing and i'm like there's no possible way you believe that and he does Basically, it's a literal translation. I'll have to talk to him about that. Be, uh, that'll be a good conversation. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> just go to his. I don't know if someone someone posted something on his page, and then we all started commenting. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a clip from uh, some comedy from a, it was a, who's the the guy at the New Yorker that's not funny, uh, Andy Borowitz. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fortunate way to put it. Someone someone put a link on sent some, Tim a link about Andy Borowitz saying that Charles Manson was. It no longer considered as a Supreme Court justice now. Stupid, 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 stupid. And uh, we all yeah. comment how stupid it was and how much we hate Andy Borowitz. And but then it degenerated into this discussion about uh, with me and Tim about the um, you didn't build that thing and, the, and Alec Baldwin's Trump impression and stuff like that. So if you go to Tim's page, look for the thing <laughs> with the Charles Man- and follow the string down, and you'll yeah you'll you'll be very entertained. I can assure you. And I invite everyone I'll to do that. It. Oh yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how much of Tim's page is available to the public. But uh, if the public wants to look at that, feel free. <laughs> All right, oh, yeah. man. I'll go see. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see you in three weeks. Then have fun in Minneapolis awesome. and uh, and in Cincinnati, of course. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Bent Washburn for being on the show. You can catch Bent right here in Cincinnati at Go Bananas Comedy Club, the famous Go Bananas Comedy Club, January 26th through the 29th. He is at the Great Eagle in Asheville, North Carolina, February 11th, one night only. Then at Wise Guys, February 16th through the 18th. That's in Salt Lake City. For all other 
Bent Washburn news information and tour dates. Go to getbent.com. Bent is B-E-N-G-T, don't you know? All right, so we've come to the song of the week. Don't feel like doing the credits. Again, uh, if you go through, most likely go to any uh, previous episode of the tape recorder, uh, go back and cherry pick. You'll probably find some credits there. So if you want to know who did the music and the logo and all that fun stuff, uh, you can find it there. Song of the week is from Crystal Fighters. I don't know much about them, except they are from London. They formed in 2007. Uh, unfortunately, my computer will not load the Wikipedia page right now. It's just spinning and spinning. And on the other screen, the Cavaliers game is just paused because my computer can't handle it. It's only like two years old, and it simply can't handle all the stuff that I'm doing. All right, so anyway, Crystal Fighters, the song is called Good Girls. Heard it on Radio 1. Uh, liked it a lot. It's in free goal, so I downloaded it. There you have it. Your song of the week is Good Girls from Crystal Fighters. PFS tape recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. Easy away.